Hey, Moving Forward listeners, a quick disclaimer before you listen to this episode, which is part of the book writing miniseries that I recorded several years ago. The books I was a co-author on are no longer in print, and I have since permanently parted ways with my former co-author. As such, I have edited these episodes, removing as many mentions of the titles as possible. I'm also adding this disclaimer to minimize any confusion. The basic information contained within is still helpful, which is why I've decided to keep them on this podcast. I also encourage you to listen to episode 388 to learn more about the reasons behind my decision. Now that we've covered that, I hope you enjoy this series and find these episodes helpful. Thank you. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 228. Let's jump right in. Part one. If you've been following me on social media, you'll know that I'm a huge gushing fan of the series Cobra Kai. And uh, I talk about one of their uh, Twitter events, uh, I think about a month ago that I attended, one of their Twitter chats. And uh, uh, if you follow my LinkedIn articles, I I wrote a a, a huge LinkedIn piece about them last year, which actually to date is my most read uh, LinkedIn article. And uh, Cobra Kai recently released its second season on YouTube Premium. It's a uh, subscription-based part of their platform. And it... absolutely fantastic. I thought it was a very worthy follow-up to its first season. And uh, it was interesting because uh, in addition to to highly recommending it, and if you're a fan of the original Karate Kid movies, you will love Cobra Kai. I do recommend, you know, check it out. It's on YouTube. And uh, I think you could check out the first episode or two for free, and then you can sign up for a trial uh, for YouTube Premium and then just binge the entire series. What was interesting was that in the LinkedIn article uh, that I wrote last year, I kind of looked at it both from the the micro perspective, the storytelling and what made the show work so well, but also from a larger business perspective. And to me, Cobra Kai signaled at the time that YouTube was really trying to make a play to get into the streaming market because YouTube already has a billions of users on it and it's been around for a long time and it's been a a tremendous source for content creation. But in terms of monetizing that content, uh, I saw Cobra Kai as a, as a shift towards uh, getting into more of the premium streaming market that has been dominated by companies like Netflix and Hulu and Prime, and soon Apple's going to get into the streaming content game as well. But what was interesting, and I pointed this out in the LinkedIn article, I thought Cobra Kai was a great first step, but it was not by itself enough to justify a long-term subscription. And that's really what these streaming platforms are. Think about Netflix, for instance. Netflix it has so much to offer. And if it was just based off of one show like Stranger Things or any one of their flagship programs by itself probably wouldn't be enough for the average person to just want to subscribe to it long term. Maybe you try it out for a month, you you watch the show, and then you know you cancel your subscription. My thought was that uh, YouTube Premium was going to continue building out its platform. But the thing is, the reality is, that's a really expensive proposition. And there have been a lot of streaming startups, and I think of uh, you know ones like FilmWise and Sony's Crackle and uh, Pluto TV, uh, which was most recently acquired by Viacom. It's not easy. I mean, it is a highly competitive market. The barriers to entry are huge, and it really comes down to do you have the infrastructure and the intellectual property? And the one company that we're really seeing on the horizon, which I think may be a true competitor to Netflix, uh, or Hulu and Prime, is going to be Disney. Disney Plus is going to be launching uh, their streaming platform. 
And what's interesting is uh, on the heels of the release of Cobra Kai Season 2, which has done huge numbers, uh, YouTube has announced that as of next year, we're starting this fall, they're going to actually uh, remove the paywall from Cobra Kai, and it's going to be uh, completely ad-supported. So that'll be really interesting to see. It's a shift towards uh, a more traditional viewership model. That's what you get when you watch regular network TV. And what was also interesting in just uh, you know last night is that uh, they announced that Cobra Kai would be available if you wanted to purchase it on iTunes or, or Amazon. I've yet to see them announce that they're going to release it on physical media. I hope uh, that they, they release it on Blu-ray or DVD. But it's interesting. This is an adaptive model. And so it seems to me YouTube was probably testing the waters on becoming a, a really building out their subscription platform. And now they're shifting course. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the coming uh, year. Uh, but I do recommend in the meantime, do check out Cobra Kai. It is fantastic. The first and the second season, really, really binge worthy. All right, let's move into part two. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about picking your idea, iterating it out, and as we covered last week and the week before, talking out your first draft, you should be continuing on that track, and that's going to be your ongoing assignment over the coming weeks as we are getting into this series on writing your first book. I mean, this is going to be a long-term process, and you're going to be talking out a lot of ideas in your first draft. As you're doing so, don't worry about editing it. Don't worry about organizing it. This is the chance for you to spitball all of those ideas that are running around in your mind related to this particular idea or this particular theme that you want to focus your book on. Today, what I want to talk about are some of the you know tools that you can use to adapt that draft. As you get the idea dump out in your first oral draft or your recorded draft, how you can start organizing it and shape it so it looks more like a written one. So think of it as like this gigantic lump of clay and, and the clay represents all the ideas. And then the next stage is you're going to start shaping that. You're going to start molding that. On Friday's bonus episode, I talked about two ways you can use your recordings. You could do literal transcripts, which I recommend you outsource. Or if you go with uh, the second option, which is what uh, my co-writer and I did, was to label the recordings, and then what I did was I organized them into an outline. I started grouping them together. So that's going to be a big part of what you're going to do. And as you're recording your first draft, do it in chunks. Make sure each recording has a specific theme or idea. Label those accordingly. And as you build up your collection of recordings, whether you're recording with someone or doing them solo, start organizing them. From there, I recommend use what I like to refer to as the BME model, the beginning, middle, and end. And think of it as a story arc. Whether you're writing a fiction or a nonfiction book, every story or every lesson will have that beginning, middle, and end. And start grouping those categories that you're lumping your recordings into according to BME. And you can even do a, a large diagram, get, get a whiteboard or a large piece of paper. And from there, you're going to start really shaping the book. And, and some of the recordings you did early on may not be in the beginning. They may be in the middle or the end. And so that's really what it's about. You can do this with note cards as well. Note cards are a great way to kind of shuffle things around and move it around. But be fluid with it because the organization really comes from taking those ideas 
and then grouping them into larger groups or subgroups, and then grouping those into the three major categories, your beginning, middle, and end. We're going to build on this in the coming weeks. Your homework is to continue recording that first draft. I know many of you, if you're following this series, you're in that stage. You're going to be in this stage for a while. If you have um, uh, built up a large collection, you can start the organization process, but then as you're concluding this, start thinking about grouping them into the BME formation. All right, let's move on to part three. And a book that I recently uh, uh, finished that uh, I just stumbled onto by accident at the library is called The Rosie Project by, uh, I believe it's Graham uh, Simpson. I give it five stars. I I was wandering around the library. I had just returned a bunch of books and I didn't know what I wanted to read next. And uh, I just happened upon this book. I, I flipped through it and the insert, actually the summary sounded really interesting. Uh, essentially, it's a, it's about this really eccentric uh, professor. He's an Australian genetics professor who's uh, portrayed as very socially inept, and um, he wants to find a wife. So he, he goes about it in a very scientific way with uh, criteria, with spreadsheets, with a questionnaire, and uh, he ends up meeting a, um, uh, a graduate student, a PhD student, and um, who really doesn't fit any of the criteria that he's looking for. And, and you can guess that that's kind of the meet cute, if you will, between these two characters. And she's trying to find the identity of her, uh, of her real father. And um, he gets kind of dragged into the sideways adventure. But it's really about these two characters, these two unlikely characters who come together. Uh, it's a tr- it's really really a traditional kind of uh, boy meets girl love story, but I, I really enjoyed the way it was written. I mean, um, what's fascinating about this author Simpson is that he was a uh, IT guy, and this was his first novel. He wrote it, I believe, at age fifty. It became a smash hit, and uh, it spawned two sequels. I read the first sequel and the and the second one. It just came out, and I'm on reserve for it. Highly recommend. It was just really sharp. I love the edgy sense of humor. And it takes a very traditional kind of story and gives it an interesting twist. So I recommended it. I thought it was a really enjoyable book. I'll be back with a new one next week. If you want the write-up for this episode, bemovingforward.com. Have a great week. And remember, always be moving forward.